You know, typically, at least traditionally, we have this picture of the resurrection of Jesus in our minds that goes back to this sort of first century image of Jesus with one of those robes and everything. <clears throat> Nothing wrong with that, very stylish. We think about that first Easter Sunday where the stone is rolled away and then there's the empty tomb and, and the women are there first and they run to inform the other disciples, oh, Jesus isn't there. There is an angel telling us that he's not here. I'm just telling you guys, Jesus is missing. And then we imagine as they hear that, that Peter <clears throat> is the first of the other disciples to run to confirm it for himself. And then we read scriptural account of this Jesus who's not yet fully glorified. He hasn't ascended to heaven yet. <clears throat> he appears to his disciples. And it's a glorious image that we hold dear in our hearts. But what if it wasn't the last image of himself that Jesus intended for us to remember? This week, as I was studying through this next message in the series on Revelation, and this week's message is called The Voice of Resurrection, Jesus, <clears throat> as I was studying through it, it made me realize, holy moly, I need a little bit of an upgrade to the image of the resurrection Jesus that I've held in my heart and mind for all these years as a follower of Christ. I realized that as I was reading Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 20, that I needed an upgrade to the image of resurrected Jesus. I needed a new revelation of who resurrection Jesus is and what exactly he looks like. I needed a new revelation, a new reminder of what he's doing right now, what he will do. And this picture of resurrection Jesus that I found in our passage today in Revelation, and I would love to say I planned months ago for this to be our Easter passage, and I didn't. I planned days ago for this to be our Easter passage. But I think this passage is designed specifically for us to change how we see Jesus in our mind's eye, even on Easter Sunday. So it's a longer passage than normal. It's like 12 verses, but just kind of bear with me as we read them. John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. In other words, he was on the island prison of Patmos because he was preaching the gospel. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, or a better translation is the day of the Lord. We'll get to that in a moment. I was in the spirit on the day of the Lord, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches in Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum, Theatria, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands was one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were a, like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, 
the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys to death and the grave or death and Hades. <clears throat> Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. You know, I really like it when Jesus says stuff and tells us what he means. It makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? <laughs> There's some important history that in this passage we need to go over. <clears throat> John says he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. What does he mean by that? Well, we know he's in prison on Patmos for preaching the gospel. He says he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. And there's a better translation for that. That's kind of actually sort of a transliterated way of saying it. What he really says is, I was in the spirit on the day of the Lord. And that is specifically a phrase reserved for the day that Jesus takes authority. Many, including your pastor, speculate that this wasn't like a verse that says you're supposed to have the day of the Lord on the Sunday. It wasn't some ordinary Sabbath day. I think it is something much more significant. And I believe, and there's others who would agree with me, and it's, listen, this is speculation, but it's kind of fun every once in a while. Look, I'm preaching through Revelation. I'm allowed to speculate a little bit, right? <laughs> I believe this could be an anniversary of the first Resurrection Sunday. I believe it could be an anniversary of the day Jesus came in power and defeated sin and death and the grave. I believe it could be an Easter Sunday. There's a significant case for that. We're not going to go into all those details today. But I want you to see something. John says, I write this to the seven churches who are partners with me in two things, the tribulation and the kingdom. <clears throat> Understand that most of the book of Revelation is an unveiling of what has been taking place, what has happened and what is happening from heaven's perspective. Things that had happened or were going to take place. And it is really basically the book of Revelation is Jesus connecting the dots for John and us from Genesis all the way through the Bible, showing how everything fits together in God's plan for his church, for those he loves. Now, this phrase, partners in tribulation, is critical to understanding the timelines and the symbols and images that we're going to uncover throughout our study of Revelation. See, many read tribulation and kingdom in Revelation, and they think of a future prophecy, something that is to come. But clearly here, they are not future. It says, I am a partner with you in what? The tribulation. The kingdom. He clearly says he's partners with the seven churches in both things that are happening concurrently, not some seven years of suffering that's far off that some people have talked about. He says, look, we are in the tribulation, but we are also in the kingdom. And John, along with every other follower of Jesus, is in fact right now even experiencing both tribulation and the kingdom together in the present tense. As a matter of fact, Jesus taught this over and over about the kingdom of heaven, how it is now. And his disciples would also suffer on account of it. If you remember in our Mark series that went 80 weeks, how many times did Jesus say to them, the kingdom of heaven is now? We are clearly today 
still partners with John and those seven churches in both the tribulation and the kingdom. But there's a third thing that he says that we are partners with, patient endurance. John and all the followers of Jesus in history have this patient endurance. And by the way, I want you to know, and for those of you that are here on Easter Sunday visiting, we go through each book of the Bible that we're preaching chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we're in Revelation. So it's only week three, so if you want to catch up, you can. But there is a major theme throughout, throughout Revelation, this idea of patient endurance. See, John has spent three years with Jesus when he was alive on this earth. John actually saw Jesus glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration. John actually spoke with Jesus on the first Easter Sunday. John saw Jesus ascend into heaven from the Mount of Olives. And ever since then, he's been waiting for Jesus to return. But it's been a rough 60 years since he last saw his Jesus. John probably assumed he would never see Jesus again. He would have to die first and go to heaven. And now he's in this prison, 90-year-old man. He's isolated. He's alone. All his fellow apostles are dead. How would you feel in John's situation? Lonely? Discouraged? I mean, if anyone could use a fresh revelation of resurrected Jesus, inspiration for patiently enduring and waiting for the Lord to return, it's probably John. But this revelation of the resurrected Jesus wasn't just for John. Jesus told John, listen, everything you're about to see and hear, write it down in a book, send it to the seven churches. And we discussed last week, seven churches means all the churches, the perfect, complete number. We too, as Christians, have been called to this patient endurance, waiting for our Jesus to return as we do the work of royal priests. So that's the history of the passage. Let's get into some really fun stuff with the theological side of this. John hears a voice. So he's in the spirit, he's praying alone, contemplating, and suddenly this loud, startling voice comes behind him. It's so loud, he says it was like a trumpet. By the way, another key word all throughout scripture, trumpet. It's a key symbol, and we get insights into what it means. <clears throat> Question, how would you feel right now, this morning, Right now, like if you weren't even, now you might be expecting it because I'm going to say, but what if I was preaching and all of a sudden right behind you was a loud trumpet? How would you feel? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Very pleasant. <clears throat> this is what John experiences. And this voice that is as loud as a trumpet declares himself. He says, I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am the first and the last. And he commands John to write everything down. Take down everything you're about to hear and see, John. Put it in a book and send it to everyone who knows and follows me. And then the scripture says John turns to see this loud voice. And suddenly he's face to face, he says, with someone who looks like the Son of Man. In other words, he looks kind of like the Jesus he knew. He recognizes the face. But he sees this son of man, this guy who looks like Jesus, standing among seven golden lampstands. 
He says Jesus is bright. He's full of light and glory from his hair to his toes. He's dressed in a beautiful robe that would be worn by the high priest, by the way, of reference to Exodus. Here's what's so incredible about this. This description of Jesus that John gives that he heard and saw, it's the same manifestation of Jesus when Jesus appeared to Daniel in the Old Testament, except for two things, the lampstands and the stars. Look at it in Daniel chapter 10. See if you can see some similarities. I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold. That's the robe and the sash from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like gleaming or burnished bronze. The sound of his words was like the sound of a multitude or many waters. You see the similarities here. But Daniel didn't see seven lampstands or seven stars in the Son of Man's hands. Something has changed since then. Something is different. What is it? Let's look at what these seven lampstands and seven stars mean. And this is absolutely beautiful. This is Jesus in all his glory, dressed as a high priest among seven lampstands with seven stars in his hands. And he says the seven lampstands, just so you'll know historically, seven lampstands were part of the exclusive temple furniture, a symbol that this particular place with these lampstands meant this is where God dwells. This is the house of God. This is how he dwells among his people. But here is this son of man. He turns around, this loud voice. He sees the son of man standing among seven lampstands. You know what it means? When Jesus says these seven lampstands are the church, it means the church, listen carefully, has replaced the temple as his sanctuary. He is among the church. This is now his dwelling place. Matter of fact, this is another reference to the Old Testament in Ezekiel. My dwelling place shall be with them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is just one of hundreds of Old Testament and New Testament verses that teach this. It's why we don't call any building ever the sanctuary. We are the sanctuary. And Jesus is wearing this high priest robe and this sash. Did you know one of the jobs of the high priest in the temple, you know what it was? To keep the lampstands lit. Their fire burning. That's in Exodus 30, verses 2 and 8. You shall keep the lampstands burning, burning bright. So both this robe and the lampstands are a beautiful symbol of what resurrected Jesus is doing right here with the church. He's our high priest, keeping his church, who, by the way, he calls the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. What is he doing? He's keeping that light of the world burning bright, even midst the tribulation. And John describes the seven stars in Jesus' hands. Jesus says it represents the seven angels who protect the church. Do you remember by any chance any other time Jesus said he held something in his hands? Well, if you don't, I have a verse for you. I'm sure you're surprised by that. <laughs> Look what he says in John chapter 10, verse 27. This is written, by the way, this gospel after Revelation. It's important to know this. My sheep hear my voice. Hear that? Just like John heard a voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. 
Isn't that beautiful? More on this later. <clears throat> but even as this tribulation around them rages, resurrected Jesus has seven stars in his hands. He will never let us go. And these stars will never be taken from him. This is the church. And because of this, Jesus says, look, John, you have nothing to fear. This was an overwhelming experience for John, don't you think, emotionally and physically? Matter of fact, John says, when I turned around and I saw the Son of Man with the seven stars and the seven lampstands, I fell to his feet as if I were dead. I mean, wouldn't you respond the same way? So instead of going through all the trouble of trying to describe everything, let's just read what happens next and why this makes this one of the most beautiful Easter passages in the Bible. He falls, he's dead. He feels like he falls like he's dead, he's afraid. And Jesus says, but Jesus laid, uh, he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. He's resurrected Jesus. I have the keys to death and the grave. Write, therefore, these things you have seen, those that are and those that are which to take place after this, for the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands and the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. I have to say, I'm going to say, when I was studying this all week, every time I would go back to this in this moment where John falls as if he were dead out of fear and Jesus puts his hand on him and says, don't be afraid. I am resurrected, Jesus. It brought tears of joy and hope to me each time I read it. I mean, John has just had a fresh encounter, a new apocalypse, a new unveiling of resurrected Jesus that no one in history had ever seen before. He saw Jesus who conquered sin and conquered death. He's among the seven lampstands with the seven stars in his hand. This is, church, what resurrection Jesus actually looks like. It's a revelation of resurrection Jesus where he tells us who he is, what he's done, what he is doing, and what he will do. And his message for us, do not fear tribulation, have patient endurance, for I have conquered death. I am with you. I will keep you burning bright. I will hold you in my hands, and no one will ever be able to take you out of them. See, John needed this fresh revelation of resurrection, Jesus. He needed it to be reassured that Jesus is in control. And you know what? You need it too. Our personal section this week, listen for his voice. So this was my sermon preview this week. The first Easter Sunday was miraculous, but an even better one is yet to come. Look, we cannot physically see Jesus as John did. John, for a moment, had the curtain pulled back. And just for a little, little while, resurrection Jesus was unveiled so he could see him. And that unveiling was temporary. But this resurrection Jesus, even though you can't see him and the veil has been put back, it is the same Jesus with the lampstands and the stars, the same one who was with us right here, right now. 
This resurrection Jesus has made this my best Easter in years. All week, this image of this Son of Man that's bright and full of glory with the seven lampstands and the seven stars in his head, it kept popping up in my head. I I did not have one image of Jesus in a robe this week. (laughs) See if you can pick up on how this resurrection Jesus in Revelation impacted John in his gospel that he wrote afterwards. Let's look back at the verse again that I shared with you earlier. My sheep hear my voice. You see that? I know them, and they follow me. He's in the midst of them like a shepherd. I give them eternal life, power over death. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Do you see the connection from Revelation to John's gospel? How his sheep hear his voice and follow him? See, resurrection Jesus has not only conquered death and hell, he is the great shepherd calling to us with his voice. He stands among his people, the seven lampstands. He holds us in his hands, the seven stars, The same resurrection Jesus who is with us right here, right now, in this room, in our hearts. This revelation of resurrection Jesus says this, You have nothing to fear, for death cannot hold me, and it will not hold you. And yes, we are partners currently in tribulation, but we're also partners in his kingdom Both are right here and right now. And even if your life is full of tribulation today, resurrection Jesus is among the seven lampstands and he's holding the seven stars right now. I want to put this verse up one more time with really big font in case you couldn't read it. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. This is going to be a challenging question for many of you here in this room. Some of you hadn't heard the voice in a long time. Why? There are times when all of us need to hear his voice, as John did. There are times when all of us need to have some sort of apocalypse or revelation or revealing of resurrected Jesus. And it may not be as loud as a trumpet right behind us, which is probably a good thing, I guess, right? (laughs) But as with John, the voice of resurrection Jesus often seems to call us right when he knows we need to hear him the most. The moments your heart senses the presence of resurrection Jesus that John described in today's passage. Do you know those moments when the voice of resurrection Jesus called to you and you heard him and you turned to see the face of the Son of Man? For some of you, the voice of resurrection Jesus called you 
in recovery from addiction. For some of you, the voice of resurrection Jesus is calling you in the midst of your battle with clinical depression or anxiety. For some of you, the voice of resurrection Jesus is calling you during times of terrible loss and tragedy and grief and heavy sorrow. For some of you, the voice of resurrection Jesus is calling you as you are confronted and broken over your own undeniable sinfulness. For some of you, the voice of resurrection Jesus is calling you because you have become, listen carefully, apathetic, distracted, careless, or disinterested in the kingdom of heaven and the royal priesthood. For some of you, the voice of resurrection Jesus is calling you to join for the first time the seven lampstands he is standing in the center of. Calling you to be among the seven stars he holds securely in his hands so you can have no reason to fear death. Is it possible, church, the voice that sounds like many waters is speaking to you this Easter morning? Through this revelation given to John? You know, one day, one day we'll all see for ourselves this resurrection Jesus that John saw that day on a, in a prison on Patmos. And I imagine when we do see that Jesus in all his glory with the lampstands and the stars, I imagine we'll do the same thing John did. We will fall to his feet as though we are dead. But then he'll put his hand on us. Fear not. I've conquered death. Now until then, we must have patient endurance. And we also must listen daily for the voice of resurrection Jesus. He's still speaking today. You know, maybe it won't be this big loud trumpet. But if you know resurrection Jesus... You will hear it, and you will turn to him. How about today? Resurrection Jesus, we want to thank you so much for how you revealed yourself to John in a time when he needed it the most. And Lord, there are people in our church today and people watching online that are in the midst of tribulation. All different types. <clears throat> some brought, up, brought about because of our own actions, some from the actions of others, some just because we live in a fallen world. And they need to hear the voice of resurrection, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them. I pray that you would draw them to yourself that you would draw them to be among the seven lampstands and to become those you hold in your hand that can never be taken out of it. Lord, you are the one who calls. You are the one, the great shepherd with the voice that your sheep will hear. And I pray for those who are listening today, maybe some for the first time. Maybe you're calling them out of addiction or apathy, or grief, or sin. You're calling them to become 
one of your sheep. I pray that you give them eyes that can see your face and ears that can hear your voice. And in that process, as we are inspired by the revelation of resurrection, Jesus, you would give us that patient endurance that we need as we wait for the day that just like John did, we actually see you face to face. Lord, we don't know how we're going to respond that day, probably just like John. But if we know, especially when it comes to death, we have nothing to fear. Because we are those who follow the voice of resurrection Jesus. Amen. Church, I pray that you have a wonderful Easter with your family. Listen for the voice of resurrection Jesus this week. Have a great week.